0: This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between VSB students and our world-class faculty.
1: Hi, my name is Nicole Anderson. I'm a senior in the Villanova School of Business, double major in Management International Business with a minor in Global Health in the College of Nursing. I'm joined here today by Professor Jonathan Doe, who currently serves as the Associate Dean of Research in the Villanova School of Business as well as co-faculty director of its Moran Center for Global Leadership. He also holds the Ramrath Chair in International Business. Professor Doe and I will be talking about his longstanding interest in and recent research in partnering across sectors. Professor Doe, first, what is a cross-sector partnership?
0: Well, first, Nicole, it's uh, a delight to be here with you today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So a cross-sector partnership is any kind of collaboration between organizations from one of three sectors, business, government and non-governmental organizations, what we sometimes call not-for-profits. So any kind of formal or informal cooperation between organizations coming from two or more of those sectors is what we call a cross-sector partnership.
1: How did you become interested in partnering across sectors?
0: I became interested in partnering across sectors really from both professional and personal reasons. The professional reasons emanated from my experience as a trade negotiator with the U.S. government where I was working on the North American Free Trade Agreement in the early 1990s. And this was a time when environmental groups and labor groups were becoming interested in and concerned about the impact of trade agreements on things like labor, environmental protection, human rights, and related issues. The result of all that was that we indeed did negotiate side agreements on labor and the environment alongside of the NAFTA. And so during that process, I saw different ways that these NGOs or not-for-profits were first conflicting with business organizations, but then partnering with them. The personal reason was my wife, who I was um, dating around that time, has now worked for the World Wildlife Fund for 17 years and several other years for Conservation International and the Nature Conservancy. And over that period, I saw these environmental NGOs more and more reaching out to the private sector and developing what we now call cross-sector partnerships.
1: What are some examples of successful cross-sector partnerships?
0: Well, there are many, many of these collaborations. Let me think about maybe two that I think well represent uh, some of the best in these kinds of collaborations. The first is a long-standing agreement between the World Wildlife Fund, where my wife was employed, and Coca-Cola Corporation. Coke was under fire in India and other places around the world for its water use, both the water replenishment problem when it would take water from aquifers and not always bring it back, but also issues about water safety and contamination. And so Coca-Cola reached out to the World Wildlife Fund and developed this very comprehensive, long-standing relationship where the World Wildlife Fund essentially is providing consulting services, scientific expertise, and water management to Coca-Cola, resulting in Coca-Cola's commitment now to replenish 100% of the water that it uses by the year 2020. The second is one that I looked at more closely, and it's a little bit more unusual, and it's a partnership between Oxfam USA, the poverty relief organization, and Swiss Re, the large Swiss reinsurance company. And this partnership is addressing a problem in West Africa uh, due to climate change. Farmers are facing problems of drought and uh, water depletion, and they don't have an opportunity to plan ahead for when there will be water and will not be water. And so the thought is some kind of insurance product might actually help them to be compensated in periods of drought or water scarcity. Uh, And so that one is a little bit more unusual for a couple of reasons. One, Swiss Re is not an insurer, but a reinsurer, so an insurer of insurers. And the other is that Oxfam is an organization that's been very skeptical of these cross-sector partnerships. And indeed, in the contract or agreement that Oxfam and Swiss Re negotiated, there's a clause that allows Oxfam to continue to criticize Swiss Re or others, if it so chooses, as part of its advocacy work, And this points up an interesting conflict in these cross-sector partnerships because on the one hand, these NGOs want to work with companies, but they also want to be able to criticize them and push up against them uh, where they need to.
1: What are some of the best practices or key success factors in these cross-sector collaborations?
0: Well, the truth is, like, All kinds of joint ventures or collaborations, and I I use the term joint venture intentionally here because these are not that different than joint ventures between two business organizations with the added complication that organizations from government or not-for-profits have very different missions and cultures and orientations than business organizations. So there's a whole added layer of complexity here. So the best practices are, in part, taking an advantage and leveraging the complementary resources that a business firm might bring to the table versus a uh, a not-for-profit. To use the Coca-Cola World Wildlife Fund example, Coca-Cola is obviously very good at marketing, advertising, understanding consumers, market research, World Wildlife Fund is more expert at the scientific and the process aspects of the, of the collaboration. So it's important that there be some complementarity to begin with so that each organization is bringing something unique and differentiated to the table. The other best practice that I would point out, which is really I'm going to put kind of negatively, and that is something that some cross-sector partnerships overlook, and that is like any relationships, things evolve over time. And sometimes when two organizations come together and they think they've reached some agreement, they try to keep that set in stone instead of allowing it to change and evolve. So any contract or agreement around a cross-sector partnership should have the uh, opportunity for things to change and evolve uh, over time.
1: What aspects of partnerships are you looking at now?
0: So one of the most exciting things, I think, is how not-for-profits and or governments and businesses coming together can create new, innovative, almost entrepreneurial approaches to problems where other solutions or other approaches may have fallen short. And I think in particular about climate change adaptation. One example is what's called a water fund. And a water fund is a system whereby downstream consumers of water Compensate those upstream, like farmers and industrial users, not to damage the water to begin with so that there's not the need for cleaning up a mess after it's occurred. And they're a perfect example of a cross-sector partnership because they really require the contributions of all three sectors, governments, not-for-profits, and business organizations.
1: What do you see as the future of these relationships?
0: So I think there are going to be more and more of these cross-sector partnerships or collaborations and they're going to be deeper. In the early days, let's say a decade or two ago, these relationships were somewhat superficial. And this is because there was a little bit of skepticism and hesitancy, especially among the not-for-profits about whether they wanted to become close to business organizations. During that time, business organizations were also concerned about some of these not-for-profits that had protested, advocated against them, and otherwise criticized them in the public domain, and they weren't so sure that they wanted to get together with these counterparts. But over time, I think there's been uh, trust building in these two sectors especially. And so some of these collaborations are now going on 6, 8, 10, 12 years. So I think we're going to see more of these relationships As government resources become challenged in terms of dealing with some of the pressing social and environmental issues of the day, we increasingly look to the private sector and the not-for-profit sector to address those issues. So I think we're going to see more of these collaborations, and they're going to be deeper and more comprehensive. So, Nicole, I've enjoyed that part of the conversation, but knowing that you have a little bit of interest and background in this topic, or at least related topics, I'd like to, if you don't mind, ask you a couple questions about your experience here at Villanova, especially your global experience. So first, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to Villanova and some of the international experiences you've had since arriving?
1: Sure. So I'm in the Global Leadership Fellows Program at Villanova, which is Um, a program for international business co-majors. As a freshman, I studied and interned in London where I worked at Health Unlocked, which is a social networking agency for patients with chronic diseases. As a sophomore, I went to Madagascar during the summer where I interned with Catholic Leave Services, working on the Villanova partnership there um, in relation to business activities such as value chain projects and community lending programs. My junior year, I went to Sydney Um, where I also interned as well and worked in data analytics. And in my senior year, I joined the social justice documentary class where I went to Ethiopia during um, fall break, and we filmed a documentary relating to safe surgeries, particularly for women.
0: I note that you've had a variety of internships, mostly in the public or not-for-profit sector, but this last summer you interned at Merck. What attracted you to Merck?
1: I decided to intern at Merck because I'm interested in pursuing a career that combines both my interests in international business and public health. And at Merck, I found it was a very interesting opportunity to look at the global sourcing of pharmaceuticals, as well as their communications and marketing access when you're marketing a particular drug and in a particular economy. So I felt like my international experiences prepared me very well for seeing how business differs and how the, um, market access may differ when it comes to a product such as pharmaceuticals.
0: So, Nicole, what's what's next for you after graduation?
1: So I want to continue uh, merging my interests in public health and business, particularly in business analytics. Um, I actually applied for Fulbright for this coming year. Um, it's about combining the big data implications for collecting patient data on cancer incidents in Indonesia. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll be doing a year of research after graduation. After that, I'm interested in pursuing an MPH and MBA dual degree and um, continuing my work on that path.
0: Nicole, I'm so excited to hear that. Uh, I think you combine what I consider to be the best of a Villanova education that integrates practical perspectives from, say, business But also, as you noted, maintains this focus on mission, on ethics and social responsibility and giving back to the greater good.
1: Well, that concludes our Inspiring Minds interview. I'd like to thank Professor Joe for his time and insight. Please join us again for another Inspiring Minds session.
0: Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.